Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of his great love is that he gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And he gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. I like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. Good morning. Today, I get to introduce you to my new friend from Alabama. You'll love the way she talks. Kara Snyder. She is a writer, a speaker, and a coach, a mom and a wife. I think a mom of two. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Karis, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family and your ministry, and then we'll get going because I've got some fun questions for you. Well, you may not think they're fun, but I enjoyed writing them. Well, I'm ready for the adventure that we are about to go on. So, <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. So thanks for, for having me. Uh, like you said, I am a mom and a wife. I have been married to my husband for 19 years. We're going to celebrate 20 years in April of 2024. And for another day, another podcast we met, he was actually in a Christian boy band. So if you can just envision NSYNC or, you know, Backstreet Boys dancing and singing about Jesus, that was him. So we can, we can have that discussion another day. Um, But my uh, children, I have two daughters. I have a daughter. Her name is Zoe. She is in ninth grade. I have a high schooler. So this is a brand new uh, journey for us into high school. And then my youngest daughter, her name is Allie Grace, and she is in fifth grade. Hmm. Um, So it is, you know, God's sense of humor. I grew up with brothers. And so to have daughters is just a whole whole new thing for me, but I absolutely love it. I love being their mom. And then, as you said, I am a speaker, writer, certified life coach. I've been speaking for about 12 years now, and then writing and coaching came in after that. So I am just grateful for the opportunity just to love on women and to let them know, you know, that God has a great purpose and a plan for them and that he will waste nothing, not even pain in their life. He will use it all for good. Mm. Um, well-spoken, uh, I taught ninth grade English for 10 years. So you're welcome to call me anytime. And also I have three daughters, so I one up to you, but I, I kept hoping for a boy. My youngest goes, I'm sorry, mom. Um, (laughs) but we adore our daughters and they keep us at the bank and on our knees. So just keep (laughs) that in mind. Um, your latest book is called The Carline Mom, and you also have a a wonderful podcast of that name. Um, 100 Days of Encouragement for the Mama Who Gets Everybody Everywhere. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? You know, when when your kids are younger, you think you're going nuts, but when they get to where you need to take them everywhere, you are so glad when they finally get their license. So um, tell me a little bit how this got started And um, we all know someone who was in a car line this afternoon, or we are that person. So tell us a little bit about the book. Absolutely. So, you know, like you just said, as moms, we are all kind of in this mode from toddler to teenager of getting everybody everywhere that they need to go. We are not only in charge of our schedules, but their schedules. And then now, you know, I have just discovered in this season, a season of being a mama, there's this added pressure that we have put on ourselves where we feel like we have to do all the things and that we have to have it all together and we can't fail. We Mm. can't make a mistake. 
we have to get it right the first time. And then we got to post it on social media with the right filter. You know, we show that perfect part of our house where everything is just as it should be, but (laughs) no one sees the rest of the house that's in chaos. And, you know, I think a lot of times it's not just our houses that feel in chaos. It's our spirits that feel in chaos or it's our minds that feel in chaos. And so I, I found myself in that place where I was just constantly feeling overwhelmed with anxiety, you know, overstressed, overworried, playing out these worst case, what if scenarios. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone else has done that. You know, you play out all these things that that might happen, probably never will. But by the time by the time you get to those in credits, you know, in your mind of that movie, you are in full on panic mode, you know, just stressed and just paralyzed in fear and getting through all these overs of all the the bad things. I just got to a point where I was just really a little over it. Like this is not, this is not what God has for us. This is not what he intended for us. And so this idea, the desire of my heart behind Carline mom was really to just help us as mamas to get into the overflow of God's presence, to get into the overflow of his peace that he has for us and that his grace is sufficient in our weaknesses, not in our strengths, but in our weaknesses. And so Mm -hmm. for us to know that we are all weak, we all, none of us have it all together. And to to celebrate that. And to celebrate it. That is good news for us. That is not Mm -hmm. bad news. And so to change that perspective, I think that could be a powerful thing for us as moms to know that we are not in this alone that God never intended us to be, you know, to have it all together. He knew we were going to need him and he knew that we would need each other. Hmm. We need each other in this journey. So all of that culminated together. You know, I was like, I live my life in the car line. There are so many stories, so many conversations. Maybe you even experienced Mm -hmm. this as well with my daughters that come in the car. There's something about not having to make eye contact with each other that opens their mouths. You know what I mean? So true. Oh, yeah. Have you experienced that as well? Totally. And I had a friend um, exhort me uh, at one point when I was still in the car line um, area of my life where she said, I don't do carpool for the very reason that my son will talk to me in the car when I pick him up. I, she always met him with a bottle of water and a snack. Mm. So as soon as he got in the car, he could be comfortable. And then on their drive home, then he would open up. Not every single time, but I thought, oh, I whined about having to pick you know three kids up at three different schools. Um, but then I thought, wow, Cindy is right. And I really appreciated that bit of wisdom. Would you mind uh, unpacking that line you used about two paragraphs ago, uh, the overflow of God's presence? What does that mean to um, the normal person listening to this who knows God exists and they they believe um, in his word, but they haven't experienced an overflow of God's presence for a very long time? Mm-hmm. I love that question. I I think for me personally, the way that I would explain that is in these moments that we experience as moms, where maybe we just find ourselves crying because we're stressed out. We feel like we're failing yeah. our kids, you know, or even feeling like we're letting God down. That even in that moment of tears or big emotions, you feel some sort of peace to know, okay, I'm not abandoned in this moment. I know that in God's word, he tells me that he'll never leave me or forsake me. So I think, first of all, there's that piece 
of that overflow of God's presence to know that he hasn't abandoned us. Even if we feel like we should be abandoned, like right. we, you know, we should be forgotten. He is not going to do that. He's going to get down in the trenches with us. And then I think another piece of that overflow of his presence is that he's always there. Like he is just always there. He, he won't stop loving us. He won't stop giving up on us. He won't stop wanting to meet with us. You know, I love the verse Psalms 94, 19 that says when anxiety is great within me, your consolation, your comfort, which means God's comfort brings me joy. So that always gives me this peace of knowing that I can always run to God into his arms. I don't have to run from him because, you know, sometimes when we feel ashamed, we feel like we have to run from him. Mm -hmm. So knowing that his word reminds me that I can run to him, that is just another piece of that overflow. I think of his presence is that I can always, wherever I'm at, he's there. And as I run towards him, there it is. There's uh, could, could you repeat the reference again for me, please? Psalms 94, 19. 19. Okay. Um, why did you become a coach? I became a coach because I wanted to help women specifically change their thoughts so they could change their life. For me, about 12 years ago, I, my thought life was just filled with fear. I was paralyzed with fear and anxiety. And it was dictating my life and it was overtaking me. And I realized just through a lot of healing and restoration that I needed to go through that I had some thoughts wrong and I needed to work on getting those changed so I could change the direction that my life was going. And I wanted to help women do that, to know that, you know, there's this part of our brains where there's something called neuroplasticity, where we can mm -hmm. change the pathways of our brains to change how it thinks, to change how it responds to things. And if we are intentional in that, if we are intentional in using healthy coping skills and changing our thoughts and changing our, how we respond to our faith and our mental health, then it will help change our trajectory in our life and the ways that we're going. And so that's where my desire came for a coach is wanting to just help women to move forward in their thought life so that they could continue moving forward in the calling that God has placed on them. Um, I just talked to another coach, Mamika Cooney, and she talked about neuroplasty as well. And she calls herself the personal trainer for the mind, which is some similar to what you do. And um, how is this different, what you do to a therapy? Because you were talking about fear and anxiety, and my daughter's a therapist, so she deals a lot with fear and anxiety. And also she told me years ago that every therapist has a, th every therapist, has a therapist. Right. So First of all, do you have a coach yourself and uh, why did you do this instead of therapy or how different is your coaching versus therapy? Let's put that way. Absolutely. So I actually have a coach for myself and I do have a counselor that I saw many years ago on a regular basis and still have uh, contact with her whenever mm -hmm. I need her. And so the reason I picked coaching, I knew to go and be a counselor or a therapist, there would, that would involve a lot of schooling for me to go back mm -hmm. in school and learn those things and where I was at as a mom and a wife and in doing the other things that I was doing, I just did not feel that was the direction for me. So for me as a coach, I don't get into the past where things are mm -hmm. rooted as therapists do so, so well. They help us get to those roots of things that we have in our life. For me as a coach, I'm going to help you where you feel stuck right now in your present to move forward. Okay. Um, and then I've had uh, clients that I have coached and many times as we are working on our present 
situations to move forward, those circumstances, past things will come up and you can tell that there are still those deep wounds there. And so for me as a coach, it's very important that I pause and say, you need someone like a counselor, like a therapist who can help you here now that this has come up. And so as a coach, that's so important for us to know that we can partner together with a therapist, with a counselor to help our our clients who are truly wanting to move forward to work and move forward when those places come up that need healing and restoration. I know for me, my counselor, she was a godsend Mm -hmm. in my life to, to get that, that I needed, which opened the door for me now and my coach to begin to move forward, you know, as a business owner, as a speaker, as a writer, and just in every other part of my life. So that Mm -hmm. for me as a coach is very important to be sensitive to all aspects for our clients. One thing I have written about and, and speak on is mentoring, which reminds me of coaching. And, um, I think that's something that we have to be aware of as older women, not that you're old, but you're older than others. Right. Um, and we all have someone who's a little bit further behind us, even not chronologically, you know, and, uh, and I think that we can get this savior image or feeling like we have to save this person. And so I'd like to, to bring up the whole fact of if you feel like you're the only one for this person to help them, you're really in a dangerous place because mm-hmm. we're, of course we bring people to the healer. We don't do the right. healing, but we also have to release them if we are not the right person for them. And so I appreciate the humility that you just expressed that you need to um, evaluate as best you can. And I'm sure you're getting better as you coached through the years that you feel more confident saying, you know, this person is not right for me. I had to ask a coach friend once, do you ever turn someone down? And she goes, oh, oh, absolutely. When I know I am not that person to help them really heal their past, like what you were saying. Uh, I have a hard question for you. Maybe it won't be that hard, but I thought of it today while I was exercising. So who knows what it really is, but (laughs) um, why do believers need a coach to find their purpose? Because, um, because we read in the word to love God and to love our neighbor. We read in the word to live as Christ and to die is gain. The word tells us our purpose. We are to make disciples. So why in the heck do we need wonderful women like yourselves to find us a purpose? I mean, I wake up every day thinking, wow, not really, not every day, but I think, wow, what is going to happen today? That's part of the purpose. But you know, I'm old, so I've been doing this for a while, but why do we need, why do we need you? Um, We should know, here's my should, we should know better, Karis, we should, I mean, we have the word, we have your devotionals, we have uh, maybe two minutes in a car line to ask God for help, because that's our biggest prayer, dear God, help me now. (laughs) Like when I, my kids are, you have been upset with me, and then I go in the shower, that's my prayer closet. My biggest prayer is, Lord, help me to know what I say once I've washed my hair, and may it not be the wrong thing, and that can happen even worse when the kids are older, I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. I'm very, you know, I'm very expressive, and I talk too much. So all that to say, going back, why do Christians need a coach to help us find our purpose? First of all, that is a hard question, so I would like to acknowledge that, but I appreciate that question. You know what? I... I think through the Bible, no one in the Bible did their journey alone. And I Mm. think specifically to Paul and Timothy, Timothy had a Paul, like if there was no Paul in Timothy's life, would he have known, you know, 
where to go and how to walk in his purpose and to not, you know, let fear stop him, but to stand strong and what God had called him to do. So I see that, you know, example for us. And as a coach, you know, for us as humans, human beings, it is very easy for us to, if you're looking at like a, a piece of paper of your life, for example, an eight and a half by 11, it is very easy for me to zoom in on that one little tiny dot that one little circumstance, and that is all that I can focus on and think about. But a coach, what they can do is they have like a 20,000 foot view and they can see that entire page of your life and to see that that's not the only thing going on. So they can help you zoom out to change hmm. your perspective. They can <laughs> ask you questions to challenge your thinking because we do need to be challenged at times so that we can grow so that we can learn. And, you know, they, they help you to, to look at everything instead of that one thing. But I also think, you know, in that coaching, it brings about some accountability. That's what my coach has brought about for me. I have somebody that I answer to. I mean, of course we answer to God, you know, in our life, but that coach, every coaching call that I have with her, I know in the next month, she's going to ask me, you know, tell me about how everything went, you know, yeah. what were your struggles? What were your successes? <clears throat> and so to have that person there in my life where I can be honest and say, here were the struggles, but I also have that person there to celebrate with me in the victories, you know, that yes. I'm not alone. So true. I think, you know, you need both. You need mm -hmm. to have that. And so a coach helps us to, <clears throat> to do that. A coach will ask those questions. A coach will be that accountability and they're going to help us to zoom out when it's so very easy for us to zoom in and not know how to zoom out on our own. That does that is, make sense? Oh yeah, it does. Okay. And uh, I hired um, Tanya Kubo for a year for unlimited 15 minute phone calls. And I go, I'm going to call her every day. Well, no, she would give me assignments. And sometimes it'd be two weeks before I could talk to her again. I thought, hmm. And it's exactly what I needed because I didn't want to do everything she suggested, but it was good for where uh, my goal was heading towards. And she also helped me clarify that. And then my mentor has said things to me like, don't you know what your secondary spiritual gift is? I'm not going to tell you. And mm. I don't think she told me for about eight years. Wow. And then finally she just gave up and gave in. <laughs> and I said, oh, you know, it, it gives you mm. clarification. And also you just feel so totally loved and supported. Yes. And we need that so much. So I hope yes. that question wasn't too hard on you. No, that um, was a great question. And it, and of course, those all those verses that I mentioned, also caring for the widows and the orphans, which widow and which orphan? I mean, we really, we need clarification because we only have 24 hours in a day and we don't even have mm -hmm. that because we're supposed to sleep part of that time. Right. <laughs> um, what is your biggest discovery about God by becoming a mother? Oh, wow. I honestly think it is his unconditional love. Why? I mean, he, he loves us <clears throat> and it has nothing to do with who we are and what we do. Absolutely nothing. And it's like, you know, as, as the word tells us that he, he cast our sin as far as the East is from the West. He, he just forgets and he continues to love us in the same way. And when I had my children, you know, even then in those moments where they might roll their eyes at me, or we may have an argument over what's going in the lunchbox that day, or, you know, or, or in those moments where they just need someone to love them, you know, and it could happen within 30 minutes of each other. That love is there that, you know, and I think that is so powerful and, and becoming a parent, it allowed me to see that in God, that, that there are no conditions hmm. on his love. I can always come to him as I am. 
just as I am. And the wonderful thing about God is that he doesn't leave us there. He lets us come to him as we are. And he loves us, but he loves us in a way that he helps us to grow in his grace, grow in his goodness, and to make changes that we might need to make to ask for, for that forgiveness if there is some sin there in our life and to change that path where we're going. You know, we turn, we pivot from whatever that sin might be. But you know what? If we make that same mistake again, his love is still there. Right. Love is still there. And I think that is one of the, the main things that I've learned with my children is that that unconditional love. Let me tell you a funny story. Um, well, it's funny to me. Right. Uh, <laughs> My uh, oldest was begging for a dog when she was in eighth grade. And I was thinking this would be a really great help to me as a mother of an eighth grade girl feeling insecure about herself. Mm -hmm. Her her clothes were not as expensive as her friends and boyfriends, whatever. And it's just a very typical thing. But we'd had a dog before. We'd had a cat before. We'd had a rat before. And my, oh my. husband, my husband, a pet rat. And my husband had, you know, had to take them all back. And so he was standing on the stairs one day and saying, the girls have shown they're not responsible, so we're not getting a dog. And he rarely is very forceful, but he was saying this with a very Iowan type stubborn, this, he's from Iowa, <clears throat> this is not going to happen, Sue. And I said, he goes, they didn't, they blew it. And I said, um, God is the God of second chances. And I gave you a second chance because he had proposed three years earlier. And then I said, no, the first time I said ah. yes. three <laughs> years later, I said, yes. But of course he just looked at me like, I wish I had never asked the second time, <laughs> but um, we got a dog and it worked out. And of course he walked the dog the most because oh, of course it's the, <laughs> as it should be that yeah, my husband it, does as well. Yeah. Yes. And the point of it is, is that he was gracious enough to hear me out, but God is so much more gracious that mm -hmm. he is the God of not just the second chance, but the third, fourth, fifth, and 16th. Yeah. And that's what we teach our children when we keep forgiving them over that's and over right. when they're driving us crazy. I like this thought you wrote on your website. God wouldn't put you in your role as a mother, if he wasn't going to equip you to do that. Now that may, someone may hear that today and go, well, they didn't mean me. So I'm going to repeat it. Um, God wouldn't put you in your role as a mother, <clears throat> excuse me, if he wasn't going to equip you to do that. Now, is this actually true across the board? Because we've heard of uh, inept mothers that should never have been mothers. Mm. I think it is true. I do think it's true. I wouldn't have put that, you know, if I didn't think it was true. I think that God will equip us. There are moms out there who have those doubts of, can I really do this? Can I raise these children? Can I love these children? You know, God, are you sure this is right? I even asked that question. Are you sure? Are you sure, God, I'm the right person for the job? And and he he doesn't get it wrong. He doesn't get it wrong. You know, we we have, you know, because of the fall of man, there is that fall, you know, we don't have it all together. And so I would want to speak specifically, I think, to those moms who, who wonder if they're going to mess their kids up, who wonder, mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> are they going to be able to be all they need to be for them? And the answer, I think to that, first of all, are you going to be all they, that you need to be for them is no, because God is all that they mm -hmm. need. So our job is to not be all the things for them, but to be a funnel of leading them to the one who will be 
all the things for them. Um, and I, you, I think a, a constant for me, sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. Um, a constant thing for me, especially it's a lot trickier when they're older because they don't want to be told. And yet they get mad if you don't give them the right thing. to, <laughs> to <think. Right. laughs> um, Recently, one of mine was bemoaning a situation and I didn't want to preach at her because when you preach at a child, they run away. And so I just said, that really sucks, which I don't normally use that word yeah. being, being 71. Yeah. And I go, that really suck, sucks. And so-and-so is a really uh, much of an idiot on so many levels. And that's all I wrote. And it was about five minutes later, she goes, is that all you got? And I thought, oh no, <laughs> I've got the whole New Testament and half the old, honey. Yeah. But since you gave me this permission. <laughs> so to me, it was like, Lord, what do I say? What yeah. do I say? What yeah. do I say? And that's what we do when our kids are any age. I mean, my mom uh, was a wonderful mom. She's in heaven now and uh, enjoying all sorts of chocolate. But she, oh. the, um, she would say, do you want to hear some uh, unasked for advice? And we'd go, no. And then she'd give it anyway. And that was not what I wanted to do. And I still do it. Yes. You know, because we know what's right. We're kind of like that coach and we see the whole thing. Yeah. But our kids only see how they were hurt that day. That day. And so uh, we start with the sympathy. And then if they give us permission, we move on. You help women cope with depression, anxiety, and shame. How, um, how are your, oh, I already asked this question. How are your strategies different than therapists? You said you don't go back to the beginning. Is there anything else I missed on that? Um. I don't think so. You know, I think, it, and, and, you know, part of my strategy as well, and this is a, probably a lot like a therapist is just to let them know they're not alone, mm. to let them know that it's not just them. You know, I, and I also, you know, there is that empathy for me because I've been there. I know what that feels like, but I also, you know what, I was in another part in my life many, many years ago where I, I was a part mm. of the, those in the church who didn't think anxiety and depression were real. And had a very cold, you know, response to those who were struggling. Hmm. And I learned very quickly just how real it was, just how real their struggle was. And to know that, you know, that it's hundreds of millions of adults worldwide and not just adults, but teens who are struggling with that. Hmm. So for me, even as a coach, knowing that and having that opportunity to understand what they're feeling and what they're experiencing and to be sensitive to that, you know, I'm grateful. Again, that goes back to how God will use our purpose in our pain. He will use everything for good. It's not wasted. So I think, you know, that is another part for me as a coach that I can relate to those situations that they might be experiencing right now. Hmm. Um, if someone listening today is feeling depressed or anxious, what two or three things could you give them some free coaching <laughs> through my Absolutely. podcast? Absolutely. Yes, and I maybe would. Just, maybe just two tips. Well, yes, my first tip would be to you, if you are feeling those ways, feeling, you know, anxious, depressed, just paralyzed in that fear, my first tip for you is to acknowledge it, to say it out loud, to say, you know, where you're at, what your starting point is, you know, even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, my soul is overwhelmed yeah, to the so point good. of death. So if Jesus can acknowledge where he was, you can too. Hmm. Your Savior gives you that perfect example that you need to acknowledge. And then I think my second tip to you would, and I would probably, can I give three? Can I give three sure. tips? Oh, I three? said two to three, but I didn't want okay. to put pressure on you. No, you're good. My <laughs> second tip would be that you need to have a community that will bear your burdens and you ask them to help you. Help is not a four letter word, meaning it's not a bad word. Galatians 6, 2 tells us that we are to bear one another's burdens. Yep. 
and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then I think that third tip that I would give you is to get a journal, get uh, notepads. I have notepads everywhere, all on my desk and start taking your thoughts captive. You know, we are told that we are to demolish every argument and to take those thoughts captive. And you have to be intentional about that. We're intentional about hopefully, you know, what we're putting in our body, the things that we're doing. So we need to be intentional about our thought life, write them down. Yes. Um, when, uh, that's kind of a Christian cliche. If you're not okay. familiar with scripture to take your thoughts captive, can you give me a practical, what you actually you, mean by that? Yes. I mean, to stop, halt it. When okay. thoughts come in, they don't have to stay there. <clears throat> Um, when our brains, you know, we have tens of thousands of thoughts that come into our brains every day. And when a thought comes in that feels negative against you, or feels like it is something that is belittling you or putting you down, like I am not enough. Uh, I can't do this. Maybe it feels like a should bully. You're shooting all over yourself. Mm -hmm. um, it, it doesn't get to stay. So you can ask yourself, is this thought a helpful thought or a hurtful thought? Hmm. Is it helpful? <clears throat> is it hurtful? If, and you can even write it down, helpful ones and hurtful ones. If it's hurtful, you can get rid of it. And one way that I do that in a physical sense, because I'm a visual person, when I write it down, I will just kind of throw it away. You can rip it up. You can wad it up and throw it away. Well, that's a good idea. Um, <laughs> and then you want to replace it. Well, what's a helpful thought? What's a helpful thought? You know, and then you write that down. It could be words of affirmation. It could be, well, what does God say about me? And I, sometimes I Google, what is some scripture, <clears throat> you know, to help me with this? And then I'll write that down on that notepad and I'll stick it where I can see it on my steering wheel, on my bathroom mirror. And that will help me with those thoughts. And you have, you may, you're going to have to do that a lot. It is a process. Mm -hmm. That is one thing that I've learned, you know, with this, it is a process. So it takes time to change your thoughts, habits. It takes time to get uh, used to acknowledging where you're at and to talking to those safe people in your community about what you're dealing with. But over time, it's worth it. You're worth it to put those things into place for yourself. And I would also want to say this, if you have been struggling for four to six months where anxiety and depression has just felt debilitating, where you, you even struggle to do normal day-to-day -day activities, friend, your body is telling you that you need additional help. You need someone who is a, a therapist, a doctor. Your, your body is saying, we need help. If it was a broken arm, if it was heart disease, if it was diabetes, you would listen. Yeah. We would listen to those cues and we would go get help. So your brain is telling you, I need help. And I remember that, I remember when I was first um, thinking, yeah. excuse me, going to marry my husband the second time. And um and I asked, he's a medical doctor. So I asked him as a test, I said, would you ever prescribe antidepressants? He goes, if they needed it. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> so practical. Uh, and a friend of mine, when she found out she needed antidepressants, she goes, it was, Sue, it was like taking off my sunglasses. I didn't know I was looking at the world through sunglasses during the mm -hmm. middle of the day or at my own house, you know? Yes. And I thought, wow, what, what freedom we have. Of course, we'll go to the doctor with a broken arm. There'd be no question. But when we're feeling de depressed, I love it that you put uh, four to six months, I would say four to six weeks, but yeah. yeah, four to six. Anyway, if you're feeling bad today and you've been hesitating, I hope 
that what Karis is saying here is encouraging to you. And another thing about what you said about putting good things in, God is so good, of course, but he's so practical. And when in Philippians, is it Philippians 4, where he says, be anxious for nothing. But he doesn't just say, be anxious for nothing. He doesn't leave us in a vacuum or in a void. He says to put something else in its place, which is to pray and to give thanksgiving and to pray with thanksgiving and for me to pray with thanksgiving when my heart is hurting mostly over my kids because that's where our hearts hurt the most it's hard for me to pray with thanksgiving but i just have to say it out loud like you say to write it down um to be a mom is overwhelming describe a time when you felt overwhelmed and how you dealt with it it can be mm. yes, yesterday. I was about to say, just pick one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we have to close up and just. Do I it. know. <clears throat> I think uh, an overwhelming time for me was when my youngest daughter started kindergarten, hmm. and my oldest daughter, when my oldest daughter was at elementary school, and I had to learn how to do two car lines. I had to get my <laughs> time just right to get the one and make sure she wasn't in the car too long before she just got too tired and just had a, you know, as we say in Alabama, a complete come apart before (laughs) I got the other one. And to make sure they were both involved in multiple like dance and basketball and horse riding. And we had so many things and they Mm -hmm. were so little. Yeah. And as a, and I was a young mama and I felt Mm -hmm. overwhelmed and they felt overwhelmed and it was too much. I was finding myself hiding in my bathroom with my chocolate secret stash that I still have to this day, but it was too much. It was just too much. And, and I had to breathe. I just had to breathe and be like, okay, Lord, I can't, I can't mom this way for the rest of, for the rest of these years, for the rest that I'm going to be driving them. What do we do? And uh, that's kind of where I began to learn how to put margin in my life, Hmm. how to say uh, they don't have to do all the activities. I don't have to be the homeroom mom for both of them. I don't have to be (laughs) over all the activities at school and at church and, you know, get all these things correct. And I don't have to be the first one in the car line. Hmm. I don't have to be the first and they're going to be okay if I'm not. So that's where I begin to learn to say, yeah, I begin to learn to say no. No. Mm -hmm. I begin to learn to say no. And And not only that, to say no and not feel badly about yourself. Exactly. No shame. There's no, you know, I say shame is from the pit and we're not pit people. I remember a friend telling me, um, you could teach Sunday school. And so you should. And I said, I know I could, but that's not what I'm called to to do today. And it was a little touchy in our relationship for a while. And I just had to release it because it's not who got, I mean, I did teach for a summer, but you know, it's not my thing. Right. And I think we need to realize, and of course, social media doesn't help when we see that everybody else is doing all these things. I had a friend to me say to me once, Sue, you have a bigger capacity for busy than I do. Well, I never thought of myself as that way, but mm-hmm. I did compared right. to her, but she was so self-assured as to who God made her. It didn't bother her. We were friends, equal friends. Yeah, so good. Her mental health was, her cap was on correctly that day. And it just showed me who I was. And I'm not going to feel guilty about being busy. You know, that's just who I am. Uh, Someone said, why do you want to start podcasting? I go, well, why not? I don't have grandchildren. And so um, I I think we, we get into this comparison pit and we need a coach often 
to help us crawl out on a ladder with the steps uh, far enough away that makes us grow, but doesn't make us stumble. And so I think really that's what a coach does. As you know, um, this podcast is on legacy. Uh, Karis, what is your legacy that you want to pass on to those who know and love you? I want to pass on to them that it is normal to talk about faith and mental health. Mm, I want them to know that, you know, that is nothing that you hide your head in shame about, you know, your head in the sand, keep your head out of the sand and talk about it. Talk to God about it. Know that it is the right thing to do to ask for help and not try to put yourself, you know, behind a barrier to do life alone. Mm. We were meant to do life together. You know, we were meant to help one another and God gave us our faith. He gave us our mental health. So let's take care of it. Let's take care of our bodies. And I want my daughters to know that. I want them to know that they can come to God with all the things. And I mean, all, all the things, all the things. Yeah. And I want them to know, you know, that they don't have to live this life to please others, to say yes, to please others. We're here to please and glorify God. And uh, I think in all those words, I would want that to be my legacy. Um, what obstacles did you have to overcome or challenges to face to make sure that that was true in your legacy? I had to overcome my desire to look perfect to everyone around me to, you know, look like I was the perfect quote unquote Christian mom, the perfect, you know, ministry leader, the per, you know, the perfect coach that I had it all together. I had to take that mask off, mm. stop wearing the mask. And if you're wearing a mask, you can take your mask off today. And so I, that was a hard thing to do. It's easy for me to say now, but taking <clears> that <throat> mask off was a hard thing to do. But when I did it, there was freedom there. Mm -hmm. There was freedom there. Um, during COVID, I stopped wearing lipstick. So that was kind of my taking my mask off. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Um, um, how does your life embody God's welcoming heart? It, it embodies his heart, his welcoming heart through being transparent and vulnerable. Through knowing that I can come to my heavenly father, even so, even before our, our recording today of this conversation, I found myself in tears driving my car to the post office with something that was going on in my heart, knowing, and it was little, but it was big to me and knowing that I could talk about it while I'm driving down the road to my little country post office and God cared about it. Yeah. And he cares about all the things. And that <clears throat> has just been something that has been such a sweet thing for me to learn is that, that God cares about the little things in my life, the big things in my life. And I can cry to him. I can laugh with him. I can yell. I can, you know, I can be upset. And I can bring all of it to him. And he, and he lets me, he lets me come as I am. And he meets me there. And I'm just grateful. I'm just so grateful for that. Even now I'm just thinking about it, it brings tears to my eyes to know that, <clears throat> that we are welcome to be transparent and vulnerable with, with God. And um, we just heard that about that in a message on Sunday, talking about the church being a family. We really can't tell the world that God is welcoming until we have embraced his welcome ourselves and that's exactly what you were describing and it's almost it's almost like we can't tell another mother that you're going to be okay until we've hit the pit ourselves yep. and come to him and said lord i'm a mess i just blew it i shouldn't have said that i shouldn't have done that um and then we receive his grace and that's why we can re we can pass it on to someone else if someone today is listening and saying gosh i never had that opportunity to mi to minister Maybe ask the Lord um, 
uh, do I need to be more vulnerable with you, Lord, mm -hmm. first and come to him uh, with all of our needs? And then that's when we can go, you know what? I'm not any better than you. I just know someone who can help you. That's right. And um, anyway, so this has been a delight and very much an encouragement. Is there anything else you want to share at the end? How can people reach you? <clears throat> yes, they can reach me through my website, which is my name, Karis Snyder, C-A-R-I-S-S-N-I-D-E-R.com. You can contact me there for coaching. You can look up my books, my resources, you know, even as a speaker, you can look for that information. And I enjoy hanging out on Instagram and Facebook as well at Karis Snyder. So I would love uh, for you to reach out and connect with me and, and meet you virtually in that way too. And I know you offered a free discovery call. Are there any other free resources that they could find on your website? Yes. So I have a resource uh, page <clears throat> for moms, for kids. Like if you have uh, children who, who are feeling anxious, it's a downloadable that you can have of activities you can do to help them with anxiety. Oh, but then, wonderful. yeah. But then when you subscribe to my uh, email list, I call it my email family. When you become a part of that you get lots of freebies. There is a free download right now uh, when you feel overwhelmed, uh, kind of like a, a even a, a gratitude list, a back to school guide for moms. I love to give out freebies. So you'll get several of those when you subscribe to my email list. Fabulous. And spell your name once, once again. C-A-R-I-S-S-N-I-D-E-R. -S -S okay, wonderful. This has been delightful. God bless you. Thank you for joining me. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.